0: Hey, Thriver. It is just me and you today. There are no extras, no intro, no fancy music. I, maybe even similar to you, have been putting off this conversation. And I say that with some levity because on the one hand, this conversation has been top of mind and I haven't been putting it off. On the other hand, this conversation is about not putting off hard conversations. So there's that. But I can certainly say this is a conversation that I hope will be helpful for you, valuable to you, in your life and career, not only in this moment, but in seasons of your life to come. And I invite you to share this with someone that you maybe don't know well, but want to get to know better. Can we do that today? Right? Like, you know, it can be sometimes easier to have difficult conversations with people that are closer to us than it sometimes is. And I'm using sometimes because that's not always the case, right? So we won't generalize here, but, um, sometimes we are, we find ourselves having those kinds of conversations. I could, I guess I should say more frequently with people that are close to us than with people that we work with in a professional setting. So I, have been wanting to have this conversation for several weeks on how do we communicate with empathy when it is hard to even find the words, when we feel heavy, when we feel like we don't know what to say or we're not the right person to say it, or we don't have enough information to say it accurately. So that's what we're going to spend some time talking about today. And I hope that you are okay with and forgive me for pulling an audible, even with this episode to get it out to you directly. So how are you doing? Let's start with that question. How are you doing today? Right now, in this moment, if you had to describe how you're feeling and you could only use two words, what would those two words be? Now, there's no judgment. You don't even have to share these two words with somebody. We often start our career thriver sessions with that question, just to create the space for curating a level of bravery and courage and comfort around talking about emotions, right? In a quote unquote professional setting. But how would you answer that question? What would your two words be in this moment right now? I feel conflicted and I feel ready. I feel conflicted because I am looking forward to this conversation, but not. <laughs> so I am looking forward to sharing some resources and tools and frameworks that you can practically apply in your life to make hard conversations something that you lean into and not shy away from. And at the very same time, it is such a heavy moment in time. It is such a painful moment in time. It is such a distressing time with distressing world events and at the very same time, knowing that a large part of my life's mission is about in small part, in terms of this conversation today, helping leaders like you navigate, how do you address distressing moments like this inside of the workplace So that's where a bit of the conflict comes from, but I I am ready. I'm ready to have this conversation. I am ready to hear from you. So I want to invite you to tap into our community via heading over to careerthrivers.com forward slash podcast there is a guide there on authentic leadership that I believe will be a phenomenal companion to our conversation today. So make sure you check that out. You you have if you've been hanging out with us for a little bit on the show, you've probably heard something about the own your power checklist. So there's a checklist inside, but it's a much more comprehensive guide. I believe it's about 18 pages even that is meant to really help you unlock the power of authenticity and how you show up in the work that you choose to do. And so once you tap into that, you will get connected with our community and then you can email me directly any questions or comments or feedback that you have. So I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's just take a collective deep breath. I'm just going to inhale. Inhale. and exhale. Now, when we are embracing moments like the one I'm in right now, and one that I hope through this conversation, you will step up to the plate to embrace. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to navigating difficult conversations, whether it be a an emotionally charged war where you feel as a leader, the pressure to take a binary side on an issue that is so f- complex and so far from uh, being a binary issue or whether you feel the need to speak up because your values are being challenged and you want to own the power of your voice. I can relate to you and I want you to know that you are in the right place to work through the myriad of emotions that times like the ones that we're in presently bring forth. So I firmly believe that one of the most powerful tools that we have in our toolkit one of the tools that we have that can help us to elevate that can help us to expand and advance and advocate is our voice. Right? And so if you believe that that that's true, if you believe that yes, there is power in my voice, whether you are using it audibly, like you are listening to me right now, or whether you might even be reading the transcript connected to this episode, or whether you are a writer and you share your voice through writing or whether you have a social media platform and you share your voice that way. We have the power as leaders to use our voice for positive impact, to influence people in a positive way. And so as a leader, I feel the privilege of that. And and I use that word very intentionally because I know that I have at times cycled through the question of, is this a topic that I need to speak on? Is this you know, something that I need to respond to, right? Is this a conversation where my opinion is necessary? And what I've found to be true is that while yes, there is wisdom in deciphering moments that call for your voice in different ways, right? I believe that there are moments that call for your voice in, in an, in an audible way, in, in an intentional way, in an expansive way. And there are moments that might call for your voice in different ways individually, right? Not at the mic, but on the phone or in the inbox, right? And while that is true, while we want to leverage wisdom and emotional intelligence and wise counsel on how and when we speak up, I believe the privilege in leadership is such that when we are experiencing, witnessing, watching crisis, and I would even go as far as to say crisis that is in tension with our values. I believe it's important as a leader to understand and and, and stay with me on this to understand how to speak up to support people with and without including your opinion on the topic. Okay. So with that being said, I want to share with you like my, you know thesis, if you will. Like if, it, if this were a paper, you know. Um, I, I guess I, I'm I'm thinking of it, you know, through this lens of like the objective in this conversation, like the point of turning on this mic with you today, inviting you into this conversation with me, is to help you as a leader to understand how to have an empathy conversation to navigate hard discussions in the workplace. That is the goal. And I, and I believe that's important to say because a part of my tension that I mentioned earlier of, of, of being ready for this conversation, but also there being some, some tension for me around it is I want to model what I am going to talk through with you in. Withholding my opinion on this topic, particularly the current almost twenty four seven news cycle um, of of what is happening in Gaza um, and what has happened um, as a at, to 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 really kind of you know start, if you will. Um, what we're currently experiencing in this season and time frame of it. So for the purpose of making sure that we're all on the same page, I'm going to like briefly share just a few um, overarching facts, but in an effort to ensure that the focus of this conversation is around equipping you with how do you, utilize a framework that I'm going to share with you, which is around, which is called empathy conversations to navigate difficult conversations as a leader. I'm going to suppress my own personal opinions about uh, what is happening with Israel Hamas um, and the Palestinians in Gaza. So on on October the 7th um, Hamas militants, waged a surprise attack during a, um, a festival. And this attack happened in Israel and there were several festival attendees that were killed. Um, There were women and children that were abducted. And this October the 7th, um, killing of innocent civilians spurred this current News cycle. So, if you're listening to this, I'm recording this episode on November the second um, on on Thursday, 2023. Uh, what has been close to now a month um, of a declaration of war, and what I will say is, it has been for me personally really challenging to look away from some of the most gut-wrenching, painful, and disturbing uh, photos and images and video that I've ever seen in my life um, in any way, shape, or form. And I say any way, shape, or form because I'm even thinking in my mind like, movies like fictional um you know produced entertainment i i i've just never seen some of the images um that that i've seen so it has been difficult and i know for a fact for leaders um for people that are working inside of corporations for entrepreneurs, startup founders who are building teams. It has been difficult to navigate like what do we say? How do we address this? What are our thoughts on this? There've been so many questions and there there are some great resources out there and we've seen um, many organizations, many companies that have um, issued statements and also have advised their internal employees, particularly um, those that live in these areas, on how to navigate moving forward. So, from uh, Microsoft to Oracle to Morgan Chase, to BlackRock, to Pfizer, to Bank of America. I mean, we're seeing uh, corporations in the Fortune 500 leaders who have uh, made statements. And here's the challenge. And it's one that this particular nuance um, isn't new. It's very reminiscent of similar challenges that leaders experienced in the summer of 2020, and that is your leadership, right? In this hypothetical generalized scenario, right? Your leadership makes a statement. Your your organization makes a statement, right? Addressing what is happening because that that is that is important, right? As a leader, right? When we when we when we are talking about, and we'll get into this a little bit more, you know. Well, what are the steps? How do how do we navigate this? You know, um, addressing what is happening, right? Not ignoring what is happening is step number one. But it can sometimes be easier. And I want to say this in this episode because I I think it's something that's not talked about enough in that when it comes to executive level leaders, right? And this is not just the C suite. I mean, your senior business unit leaders, your senior department heads, more senior leaders within organizations, let me be specific, within corporations typically have an assigned comms professional, whether they are an internal team member or a vendor partner that is co creating, if not, all the way writing a statement on that leader's behalf, right? So usually when you are seeing, especially if you're seeing a more senior executive that is making a statement, particularly if you are seeing it, meaning like you as, um, if you are not an employee of the organization, so if you're seeing something on like LinkedIn or, you know, a press release or something like that, that may hit the, the newswire. Usually that has been curated, if not completely written by, a professional, So you're going to, you're going to notice things like, for example, one example that of uh, something that you'll notice is usually there's a neutral tone to the communication. You know, the, the, the communication is going to be very thoughtful and very intentional, but also that leader has been supported in ensuring that, you know, yes, their thoughts are incorporated, but in large part, the communication is a representation of that individual leader, but also protecting the organization. Yes. Now, when you drop into uh, mid-level leadership roles, right? So, you know, if you're a people leader inside of an organization, or maybe you're a leader that doesn't have direct reports, right? But you work with a cross-functional team um, to get your work across the finish line. There isn't there sometimes isn't as much support in terms of communicating with your team. Right. So I say that to say that the goal for this episode is that it becomes that for you, right. Or for someone that, you know, so that's why I want to encourage you again, to make sure you share this episode with someone that you work with so that uh, you will have a resource and so that they will have a resource for how to communicate with empathy, right. Especially, um, during moments like what we're in now, where things are very emotionally charged. Now, when we think about what makes conversations difficult, right? Well, you know, why are, why why is it hard in the first place, right? And, and much of our um, discomfort with adversity or discomfort or or, or, or much of uh, um, much of what makes moments like this hard, is communication, right? So oftentimes it's not so much that like we don't have an understanding of what we think or feel or we're, you know, usually we're um reading information, researching, you know, grasping a level of knowledge um to to, to properly hopefully critically think and assess what we're reading and and, and what we're listening to. And that usually isn't the tough part. The tough part is like, well, then, you know, how do I communicate this? And particularly, how do I communicate about this if I have very strong feelings, right? Very strong emotions or opposing emotions, right? So emotions make difficult conversations hard, which then cause us to delay sometimes the conversation. So then timing can make conversations more difficult, right? We wait, right? We stall on the conversation, you know, a week goes by, a month goes by, several months go by and then we're like, okay, well, is it even worth bringing up anymore? Right. Um, and then last but not least is just the competency, the know-how, right? How can I confidently know what to say? Right. So I'm going to, share two frameworks with you as we kind of round the corner a little bit, because I want this to be in, in, uh, uh, an episode where you can implement what you're hearing, where you can take something away and put it into practice um, to really show up as that authentic leader, to show up where you don't feel like you're shrinking or overthinking what you need to say or feeling like, you know, you can't say um, or address things that you want to address. Right. But how do you do it in a way that creates space for the person that you're talking with? right? That creates space for those who might have an opinion that's different from you, right? And so the first framework um, that I'm going to just share with you, I just call it getting a clue, okay? Listen, <laughs> I feel like like my methods and frameworks for things, I try to keep them as simple as possible, but um, getting a clue, right, is, is about uh, prioritizing connection in Conversation. If there is a resource um, that I think is is powerful, and there's so many, but one that's top of mind right now is a book by John C. Maxwell called um, "Everyone Communicates, Few Connect." Right, and in that book, his entire premise of the book is that the purpose of conversation is to connect, and that's why it does us a disservice to shy away from conversations and hard moments because really the opposite is true. Really it is in moments like this where you create deeper connection because there is difficulty in the conversation. So you get to display a higher level of empathy if you lean into the difficult conversation. I uh, recently, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I have, um, two client leaders and, and I and I shared with them that I wanted to put my thoughts around this and and share some things out on the podcast and and I'll probably have a corresponding article to go with this as well or hopefully my, my 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 thoughts will be a little bit more concise. Y'all get the y'all get the full throttle on, on, on the podcast, right? It's like, you know uh, organized stream of consciousness, okay, like purely authentic, um, real time thoughts here. But um, I asked them, would it be okay for me to reference them? Of course, I won't share their names, but um, I've had two really great in depth conversations with uh, both a Jewish client and a Palestinian client um, of ours, two two leaders that we get to support, and you know they've just been so incredibly insightful to be able to sit. In conversation and hear different viewpoints, similar values, but different ways about going about different things and being able to hold space in both of those conversations, right? And so that's what I want to help you with with these frameworks. So the A of getting a clue, right? The A of getting a clue um, is, is for awareness, right? It's for awareness. And I want you to think about awareness as not your, not just your own awareness, but awareness of the other person's point of view, right? Because again, oftentimes the challenge for us is not about necessarily curating our opinion, right? Um, and and this is a you know another conversation for another time. But um, technology is wired in such a way that we are um, served up. Um, echo chambers particularly through not only social media but really all media really right <clears throat> excuse me but especially with social media um, and and the internet right and advertising it is literally curated to serve up more of what you, respond to what you like what you engage with to keep you on those platforms longer that is what it is intended to do um it is a it is a commercialization of our attention right and so because of that if we are not mindful what we miss out on is the opportunity to sit with dissenting opinions and if you if you aren't careful you can find yourself being extremely resistant To opinions that are different from yours. And I don't mean resistant from the standpoint of like feeling like you need to change your mind, right? Because in most settings, especially in a professional environment, the goal isn't necessarily to get you to change your mind, right? The goal oftentimes is to help to make you more aware of another option, of another opinion, right? But because we spend a lot of time, um, in spaces and places where the messages mirror back exactly what we believe and exactly what we think, and confirmation bias is at an all- time high, right? Then we don't even sometimes recognize that we are diluting our critical thinking ability to be able to engage meaningfully kind with a with a measure of kindness. And respect in conversations where we don't agree. Right? So, so the awareness and getting a clue is less about awareness of what Brittany thinks, right? What I think or what my opinion is, or, you know, researching more information that's going to arm me with another way to defend what I think. Right. And it's more about how do I learn more about the opinion of the person that I'm speaking with? And in the context of leadership, right, the question becomes how do I become more aware of my team, of the people that I'm leading, right? Of what motivates them, of what's on their mind, of what may be keeping them from being able to focus in on work or whatever the topic might be, right? And so it's 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 important for us to have a measure of awareness. And one way that we can heighten this is to enter into the conversation, to enter into the discussion, right, with a mindset that I have more to learn. I want to give you practical practical things that you can use, right? So from the minute that you that you enter the conversation and this can even apply to how you navigate your own, you know, social media. That's where a lot of us are getting our information from in the first place, but approaching it from the standpoint of there is more for me to learn, not that I know exactly how I feel and I want to validate that opinion or that feeling. Right. So that's the A. That awareness then leads us to the C, which is clarity. The awareness helps us to have more clarity about the other person's thoughts and feelings. And this is one of the biggest reasons why I believe we have such a challenge with, you know, this whole, you know, issue of more than one thing being true at the same time, right? I saw a beautiful post, um, and listened to a beautiful speech that in this current context was talking about the fact that there are issues on both sides and how oftentimes, um, we are taking such a fixed mindset approach, right? That there that only one thing can be true. If this is true, then that is not, right? If there's more here, then there's less there, right? We have such a fixed zero-sum mindset that we are approaching conversations with that we leave no space for the fact that there can be more than one truth present in the conversation or even present in your opinion or present in the opinion of someone else. Right? So as we get more awareness It brings us more clarity and we only get that clarity through, through, through listening. The ill of getting a clue is around listening and really active listening, you know, And, and you can hear it and almost sense it and see it in some conversations. Like, have you ever been in a conversation with someone where you're talking, like you're the one that's sharing and you're watching the person, um, you're watching the person's facial expressions that you're talking to and you can tell that they're thinking <laughs> and you can tell that they are like, you know, um by their nonverbal like ready to like jump in, like almost like about to cut you off before you finish but like they're like ready to go with like the next, you know, volley back to what you said. And it's like, okay, are you hearing me or are you actively listening to what I'm saying? Right? So as leaders, we want to be good active listeners. Like the question in your mind should be, what is their perspective on the topic and do I understand it? Not do I agree with it? Okay, I'm going to say that again. So the question when it comes to listening is not, or especially when we're having these difficult conversations, it's not about trying to create consensus. It's not about trying to get to agreement It's about being able to connect and understand, right? And so are we listening in such a way that allows for that perspective, sharing and understanding to take place? And then the you of getting a clue is then to understand, right? Because if we are actively listening, if we are asking ourselves, okay, what is their perspective on this topic? We then want to make sure that we understand the other person better, the other perspective, right? We want to be able to better understand it, not just call it, you know, crazy or stupid or whatever the case may be, but like, do I understand where this person is coming from? And then that leads us to the E of getting a clue, which is empathy. And here's what empathy is about. Empathy was probably the word of 2021, coming out of the 2020 racial reckoning after George Floyd's murder, we saw so many from like Harvard free workshops to Forbes articles to I mean so much content around um, empathy, right? And empathy in leadership. And when we think about empathy, empathy requires us to decenter ourselves. So the whole premise of empathy is about how do I get off of my square of what I think and believe, what I hold true, and how do I step into the square? <coughs> Please excuse me. How do I step into the square of someone else's thoughts, feelings, beliefs, right? So as as you are navigating your work environment and as you are thinking through you know what does this look like how do i have these conversations it feels heavier than what i know how to deal with i'm not sure if i should even be saying anything at all about it as a leader it's important to As a people leader, especially, and that's really where I will hone in and focus. As a people leader, it's our privilege, right? Because leadership is truly a privilege. It is our privilege to ensure that we are bringing, cultivating a a, a space and, and and a place and a team and a culture, really, where people can be their best self, bring their best self and deliver at the top of their game. Right. And so oftentimes it requires us then when it comes to, especially these, um, you know, larger, broader, uh, world events that are distressing, it requires us to, to acknowledge it, to speak up, to mention it. Right. And it could be something. And so I want to give you some examples, right? I'm going to give you some examples of things that you can say that remove you from the conversation. When I say remove you, I mean that have nothing to do with your opinion on this current crisis, right? No one is asking you to show up to the conversation you know, with flags or with, you know, strongly held beliefs or opinions, right? That's not what leadership requires when people are experiencing, you know, a worldwide crisis, for example, right? Or experiencing and seeing images um, of war, right? Or noticing that, hey, our You know, CEO made a statement about this and it's challenging for me, right? And you may be doing a field ride or having a one-on-one or having these exchanges with your team, right? And suppressing what I would say is a need to acknowledge what is happening, Right. And so there are some ways that you can do that. Right. There might be people on your team or within your organization that have a personal connection with what is happening that you may or may not know about. Right. Or you might be in a one on one and you're not sure. Right. You could say something like, Hey, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation. You were on my mind. I know that there was a lot going on. In our world, and I want you to know I'm here if I can support you in any way. None of that required you to be an expert on history. None of that required you to share an opinion. None of that required you to take a side, any of that, right? It was just an acknowledgement that, hey, I care about you. I'm aware of what's going on, and I'm here. Right. And I think one of the biggest challenges when it comes to leadership in general is, is ego, right? Our, our ego is probably one of the biggest detriments to more empathetic leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that's true. Ego is one of the biggest deterrents. I'll say it that way to empathetic leadership And it's not in a malicious kind of way. It's very subtle, right? One of the subtleties comes in believing that it's our job as a leader to fix it. And it's not. Right? If I'm leading a team member who is personally struggling with the present war that is happening, it's not my job to fix their feelings about what's happening. Right? What I do want to offer Is my support. What I do want to offer is acknowledgement. And what I do want to offer is space so that then that team member can communicate with me what support for them looks like, right? Because we've already said empathy is about getting off of my square which includes feeling the need to have the perfect thing to say or feeling the need to have to fix it. Right. It's the same thing. And I'm, I'm actually sharing. I I didn't, if you're watching this episode, I'll hold up my book. I'm actually, you probably see my post-its there, but I'm, I'm actually pulling some of these tenets and frameworks from thrive through it. Right. Because a lot of this is very similar to grief, And a lot of people are actually experiencing uh, grief in the workplace right now with all that's going on. So as a leader, it's not our job to fix it, right? So we want to refrain from statements like, you know, at least or even sometimes I know how you feel, right? Especially if that person hasn't expressed how they feel, then you likely don't know how they feel, even if there are similarities that you all have, right? So just making sure that your team has a space and a place in you to share. And then finally, finally, as we talk about empathy conversations, I want to just briefly share this framework. And it's a five-part framework that I developed as I was navigating through my own grief journey uh, around 2019 is when uh, 2018 2019 is when this framework came to me, and and I really believe that it is powerful for um, helping us to understand where people are coming from, and then to center the other person as. To center connecting with the other person as the purpose of the conversation. So say that again. So this empathy conversations framework, the purpose of it is to center, make the goal of the conversation connecting with the other person. Right? Connecting. And even if you're having a conversation with a group, right? Connecting with your team. That's that's the that's the point of this. And, And I'm having a moment of deja vu here. There was a gentleman. Probably maybe a year and a half after my book was published, and um I will always remember this. He comes up to me and he's like, Brittany, when are you writing book two? And I just kind of like looked at him like, uh, you want this book, this book, this first book signed, right? Like <laughs> here's the book, okay? Uh, and he's like, Um, no, I'm serious. He's like, you know, where's book two? He's like, cause chapter five needs to be a whole book. Um, And so I'm actually uh, referencing or this framework on empathy conversations that I'm going to go through really quickly as we wrap up here is listed in chapter five of Thrive Through It. And and the title of that chapter is uh, communicating with empathy, right? So if you want more details, want to get more in the weeds, get more examples of um, scripts, you know, examples of things that you can, you can say, you can share, um, definitely check that out. The other resource that I highly recommend. And let me. See. Okay. I thought I had it in close proximity. It may be in the den. Um, but there's a book called say more about that, that I highly recommend, uh, you pick up. I thought I had it on my bookshelf. I could have sworn. Okay, clearly was not a part of the plan. And I know I I'm, have turned all around um, on the mic, but... Um, Yeah, I believe it should be in the turquoise section. But anyway, um, Amber Cabral is a phenomenal leader, consultant, speaker, coach. um, And uh, she has her second book is called Say More About That. So um, it's another really great resource that's all about how do you push back? How do you speak up? Kind of, um, again, taking us to the next step in this topic as you learn to not only advocate for yourself but also to better advocate for others as well so um, so let me briefly go through i wanted to share those additional resources with you so my book amber's book and then john c maxwell's book as well on uh, connection so empathy conversations five part framework the first uh, step in empathy conversations is clarity this is critical because typically we approach hard conversations in one of two ways, especially if you are or have been trained inside of a corporate organization or maybe even a nonprofit. Typically, if you've had any type of like formal training on managing conflict or difficult conversations, you were probably told, hey, you know, come into the conversation and have your objective one and then have your I statements, you know, communicate in I statement. And what I would submit to you is that In both of those examples, both of those things are about, guess who? You, right? It's even in the name, right? My objective and my I statements, right? Neither of which are about the person that I am about to have a conversation with. So the first part of empathy conversations is to clarify, right? How is the other person feeling? What is the other person thinking about this topic, right? So, but again... The point of empathy is to put ourselves in another person's shoes, to get off of our square and come over into the square of someone else, right? So here's some questions. Let me just give you some questions that you can ask. You can ask things like, you know, how are you processing all of this? That's a great initial question that you can ask, right? Again, as the leader, you're not sharing your opinion, you're not stating what you believe, you're about you're not. Getting into the weeds of any of that, right? You're giving them an opportunity to share. What are you most concerned about right now? That's another question that you can lead with. So, in this clarity portion of the framework, we want to prioritize inquiry, right, or asking a question over our I statements, right? So, I would encourage you, instead of thinking about your I statements, and you can still use that, it's fine, but make sure that you have. Written down, you know, one to two questions to start the conversation with that are going to give you an opportunity to clarify how they feel, what they think. Again, if we're going back to getting a clue, it's about the awareness, right? What do you need most right now? What aspect of this experience is raising questions for you? What questions keep coming up in your mind as you're working through this project or as you're working today, right? All of those are examples of questions that you can ask to clarify where the other person is. The second step in empathy conversations is context, context, right? So as the leader, you want to be thinking about what else is going to be impacted, right? Or what else is impacted by what is happening, right? And then you also want to think about context from the perspective of identity. So How does this person's identity influence their experience, right? In the example of, of, uh, one of my clients that I shared with you, right? My client who's Palestinian has family in Gaza. That context was critical for me to understand in conversation, right? So, um, questions that you can ask yourself and also questions that you can ask the other person to better understand their context. You know, um, are there barriers in the way of your next steps, right? If you're, if you're a leader, you know, what else is on your mind? What priorities do you have now that are important, but not as urgent as they were? That's a great question for you to ask as a leader to understand how someone might be thinking about the prioritization of what's on their plate as a result of what else they might be experiencing, right? So again, think about what questions can you ask that will give you a broader context in terms of. Okay, I know that this is the is the topic or this is the challenge or the loss or the concern or the difficulty, but is there anything else around that usually it is, right? Asking those questions to better understand the context is going to help you with that. And again, remember our context as individuals is often influenced by our identity. So you really want to think critically about, right? The identity Core. I'm just going to say piece of the puddle, puzzle, but really the core. Right. Third step. So you want to clarify, you want to better understand the context. That's going to open up the door for better connection. Right. So the question for you becomes how can I be what this person needs? And one of the best ways to understand that is to ask them right? Is to ask the question, how can I best support you? I appreciate you sharing that with me. I have a better understanding of not only what you think about this, but what the other related challenges are or how the question mark, how this question mark is answered, the domino effect on other areas, right? Context. I have a better understanding. What does support look like for you right now? Right? And I want to point out, and I'm just going to read this directly from Thrive Through It. If you have the hardback copy, it's page 131, right? Um, Starting with what you can do to help someone you don't fully understand isn't empathy. It's often performative sympathy that is rooted in helping ourselves feel better about being part of a solution. Hear me well and hear my heart on this, right? This is not meant to sound harsh, but it is very true. Oftentimes when we are so quick to solve the problem, it's ego. When we're so quick to have a solution, when we're so quick to, you know, say, oh, here's what you need or here's how I can help, right? Sometimes we're leaving out the acknowledgement of what that person actually needs because we haven't asked them, right? We've only looked to see, okay, how do I feel most comfortable being a solution or what do I think is best for them, right? Without including them in the solution. So again, that's not empathy, right? Because everything about empathy reminds us that it's not about you, right? It's not about me. If I want to show up, more empathetic with my team, I must suppress what I think, feel, and believe, okay? Fourth step of empathy conversations is the call to action. Now you're ready, right? Now you're ready to create the plan together to figure out what support looks like, to say, okay, here's what's going to happen next, right? Now you're ready to take that step to say, okay, Okay. I opened up this tough conversation with a question. I better understand the context around this challenge for you. We've been able to connect on a deeper level and now I'm ready to be a thought partner in this solution, right? In this call to action, because we actually have a connection. And then the final step is commitment, right? And that's about the next step in terms of following up. So how will I plan to support the person beyond the present? Okay. So that is empathy conversations. It is again meant to help us to connect more deeply, right? To be more authentic, to be more attentive, right? And to ask better questions so that we can connect and lean into difficult conversations instead of not having them at all, especially as leaders, right? There's a saying, and it's attributed to a few people. So I'm just going to say, there's a saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So when we are in times where people are experiencing collective grief, when people are experiencing the distress, the mental, the emotional distress of a world wide crisis, right? Then it's important um, when these world events are happening, it's important for us, whether it's a world event or whether it's a workplace event or whether it's something that's happening in someone's personal life that's on your team that's impacting, of course, how they are going to show up in the workplace. It's important that we model empathy. It's important that we model authenticity. And it's important that we do all of this with a growth mindset to understand what is it that I can learn in this moment? And how can I support the people around me, the people that I have the privilege to lead, to help them to show up more fully, to help them to know that they belong in this space, that I support them as their leader, and that I want to ensure that they're able to not only show up as their best, but also to do their best work. All right. So listen, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. I did not intend for it to be this long, but this conversation has been on my heart to have to again, provide a resource for you where you can say, Hey, I can lean into this to support my people. I can bring this up without giving my opinion on what I think without feeling like I have to take a side and to acknowledge what many have experienced Without feeling like there's going to be retaliation if I do, right? Right? Empathy doesn't require us to share our opinion at all because empathy is really about us leveraging the opportunity to connect by better understanding someone else or another group of people. So I encourage you. To, to do that, I encourage you to step outside of your own paradigm and perspective and beliefs to embrace the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of another and to share this episode with someone. Listen, if this is your first time hanging out with us over on the Career Tharves podcast, this is different from the usual. So make sure you tap back and listen to some of the former episodes and stay tuned because we are dropping season four very, very soon. We have some incredible leaders from organizations like the Titans. Shout out to the Tennessee Titans, Bank of America, Studio Bank, Morgan Stanley. I mean, listen, the list goes on and on, all in an effort to help you go from barely surviving to boldly thriving as a leader in your career and business. Until next time, keep leading and keep thriving. Take care.